Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind, St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals, and Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. As you know, last week, Nancy, you unveiled for us a brand new site for the Animal Welfare Hour that we do here at WABC and for every hour of every day in the week as you go out along with others, to rescue animals that are in despair, whether outdoors or whether they're being abused indoors. It could be dogs, it could be cats, it could be other animals. Uh, what, uh, what site can people use to not only get in contact with you, but to get help for all of their animal welfare needs wherever they are in the world? Because now that it's dusk out, this is the most powerful radio station in the world. It reaches 172 countries at night. And during the day, when it's daylight, the most powerful radio station in the nation from coast to coast. How can people tap into everything that can be done in terms of helping our furry little friends, who sometimes are our neighbors, who are outdoors, who are sometimes not only our family members, but uh, better than any relatives that we might have that we'd rather not come around, we'd rather deal with just our animal friends and our animal relatives. Well, the new website, it's protectouranimals.org. So protectouranimals.org. And it has, obviously, all the ways to get in touch and reach out, uh, you know, different resources and, you know, now also animals for adoption and hopefully other animals that are in need of homes. Just start placing them up there and hopefully get a... You know, get them adopted out. And we'll post those other groups that are also doing fabulous work out there who don't get attention and recognition. Oh, absolutely. Without the volunteers out there running rescue groups, uh, without those uh, men and women who take it upon themselves, not being part of any formal organization, but just themselves helping animals in need, boy, animals would even be in even more despair, more danger than they are presently. So please... Go to protectouranimals.org. Spread the word. Let others know. And let's make this not just a, a very entertaining part of the WABC lineup, which it is, and informative. But I get more requests uh, when I do the Animal Welfare Hour than all the other hours in the week that I do that have made the acronym stand for Always Broadcasting, Curtis. But it is a very troubling night. Uh, Probably the saddest story of the many sad stories that we sometimes bring to the airwaves of this Animal Welfare Hour is the passing. It's a a requiem for Flockel. Flockel, a Eurasian owl who just uh, basically became the the heart and soul of New York City in so many ways. Uh, Nancy, can you please just explain the history for those that may not be aware of the life and times of Flacco, and then we'll get into uh, how it is they claim that he died, uh, because neither you or I, in any way, shape, or form, are signing on to the necropsy report or the investigation that was done uh, that has ruled out foul play. So, yeah, so Flacco had been living in Central Park, up until about a year ago when the enclosure was vandalized or opened and then Flacco was able to escape. So this is the zoo. He was, uh, he was in the Central Park Zoo in a cage and somebody had cut the wire mesh that kept him in, indoors. And now suddenly he was free and flying around Central Park. Yeah, so initially he was in Central Park for a little bit of time, and there was the the rush to to try and, you know, retrieve him back by the park personnel because they presumed he wouldn't be able to survive outside because he had been living in the park, um, you know, basically being, you know, hand-fed and, and not having to fend for himself. So the presumption was, well, he won't make it out here, but they weren't able to catch him, and then... 
they've you know they realized that he was actually catching food he was eating he was surviving and they thought that it would be more problematic to try and capture him after he was out for a little bit so after that then he did a uh, a few month tour around New York City. He went to Lower Manhattan for a little bit, but things didn't work out there. Yeah, he went to the Lower East Side, very Bohemian area. Ironically, it was at the same time that an eagle was spotted in Tompkins Square Park near Avenue A in St. Mark's Place. He was a few blocks south. He was going from tenement to tenement, and there, down in the Lower East Side, it was like very cool. Artists started doing pictures of him. Rappers started developing rap rhythm lines about him. He became a cultural icon in the Lower East Side, but it turns out that he was looking for another owl to mate with. He was looking for love in all the wrong places. So he leaves the Lower East Side, and they're tracking him. You know, like recently, uh, Taylor Swift was upset that this young man was uh, tracking her private air airline uh, travel, okay. which you can do. Yeah. And she was threatening to sue him because it might pose a danger to her. Whether it did or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. There were more people tracking Flacco. I would walk down the street, eventually when he ended up in our neck of the woods, the Upper West Side, and I would see cameramen with all these sophisticated cameras. Sure. And I would say, did something happen here, guys? You know, we're just tracking Flacco. He was seen like two blocks away. I said, really? He goes, yeah, there are hundreds of thousands of people all over the world that want updates in terms of where Flacco goes. It was in the Upper West Side, the neighborhood that we live. They did not greet him as he had been greeted in Central Park or the Upper East Side or even the Lower East Side. All of a sudden, these altacacas were claiming that he was a peeping Tom because he was spotted by some of these altacacas staring into their window. And I knew, remember, I was so upset. I knew, I know how these altacacas are. We live with them. They hate us. I hate them. And I knew this would lead to trouble for Flacco. Now, obviously, I don't do owl talk. The bird watches, of which there are many out in our neighborhood, following the flight patterns of Flacco were going, whoop a woo they had on their binoculars, you know, around their neck. They had on their safari hats. They're wearing shorts. They were on rooftops. They're scaling, you know, the 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 various levels of the building. And they're they looking for Flacco. And I said, are these out the cockers? I don't trust these out the cockers. They don't like Flacco. They're trying to malign Flacco. They're trying to turn Flacco into a perv, a flying perv. And I knew it would mean nothing but trouble. Unfortunately, Flacco would basically fly back and forth between Riverside Park and Central Park along the Upper West Side. And then there was a report over the weekend. Somehow, some way, his global positioning system wasn't working. And he crashed into a building. Bull feathers. Absolute bull feathers. Yeah, I'm definitely... I'm I'm not buying this. So first of all, this was uh, 89th Street. Now, again, so he was apparently discovered by someone who either lives at uh, at the building or was walking by on the sidewalk, and he had again sur- it's surmised that he hit the building. But right away, what happened was his his body was scooped up. Now it it so it's a little bit of a the information's a little light, but it seems like they brought him to the Wild Bird Fund in, initially. And then uh, they—that's do- right around uh, the corner from us. They've done good work. Well, yeah, um, but then they brought him to the Bronx Zoo, and the, you know they did a toxic. Well, they did um, a necropsy rather. So what, what they're again, what they're suggesting is that he just flew into the building. So now, granted, he's been flying around for the past year, and he hasn't had that type of accident. But now they're saying, okay, we're going to look do a toxicology report now. It seems pretty fast that they're trying to sweep this under the rug because, I mean, again, let's face it, the, I think the big fear would be for him to have a toxicology report that comes back with pesticides because that, you know, would just, I mean, it's it's when the pigeons take the rat poison, I guess no one really cares, but if Flacco, this beautiful owl, happened to go down because of that, you know, it might actually cause something different or some changes to happen? Yeah, well, Flacco had a social networking following of millions around the world. So in many instances, I know this is a stretch, 
But you know how the resistor of Putin, Valani, and I went to the Russian consulate, remember, last weekend, and I said, where are all the Americans? The Russian nationals are here to pay tribute to his passing, but not Americans. Valani died under mysterious circumstances in that gulag north of Moscow where they, they claim he died of natural causes. Nobody believed that. Nobody believed that. And then they took forever to give the body back to his mother who had to beg, had to cry. Finally, they've given the body. I want. We need to see the body produce a flaco. He needs to have a proper burial. It needs to be a ceremony. Uh, people like ourselves, Nancy, as a whole huge group of New Yorkers and those from outside of New York that were following the exploits of Flacco. And we didn't, we just don't buy there. A lot of people would say to me, I don't buy the fact that he just flew into a building. I mean, that was one of the good parts about having so many people following him around all the time was that you, you know, if, if anything were to happen to him, you know, they could protect him or I, I just, I feel bad that they've relinquished over the body because they actually have, um, well, you know, they have relationships with animal care and control. This is all like the city. So I don't trust them to give us an honest answer about what just happened to Flacco because, you know, it could be that his GPS signaling was off because he did have poison in his system. We just won't know that. And I honestly, yeah, I just, I'm not buying that he flew into a building. Now to the Eric Adams administration that had nothing to do with this, I'm not implying in any way that uh, either the mayor or any of his staff had anything to do with this. They have... <laughs> Issues that are burying them right now that have nothing to do with animal welfare. But the superintendents of buildings where he perched for a while said the direct result of Flacco perching on a fire escape was that you had no rats, no mice. Because instinctually, rats and mice know that an owl is a natural adversary predator, especially at night because the owls are nocturnal, as are the rats and the mice. Many superintendents said that. The parkies in Central Park, there was a particular area that he would like to hover at night and pick off the rats and the mice who were basically, they, you know, they ruled the night in Central Park. You've been in the Central Park at night. They ruled the night. They wouldn't come out at night anywhere in proximity to Flacco. So the Adams administration, which is struggling to try to get control of the rat population, they're using pesticides, dry ice, trying to drown rats. Nothing's working. We've had an 8% increase with rats. We have a news arena that nobody has seen or heard from or knows. Why not bring in a bunch of owls? People are loving owls now because of Flacco. I really love an owls. Kids are being educated about owls. They're, they're, they're learning about Flacco. It, it's, sort of, it, it's sort of creating with them an interest to know about all these magnificent birds that not only fly in and out of Central Park, because, you know, when they, when they leave uh, for the winter and they fly south, the stopping point on the way down is Central Park. So you see a lot of beautiful birds there no and you're right because the the idea that previously he had had spent his life in a park in an enclosure so you have to go there to see him in what's really not a natural habitat and a natural habitat is what he was doing in new york city i mean that's the best way to observe him i think that that really did say a lot that's that's kind of you know we want less of uh, the enclosures and more of the opening you know it's ironic we can almost cast this in political terms His handlers at first said he could not survive. He would die because he had been hand-fed as a chick. He had never had to survive on his own. They enabled him. They were legitimately scared about him. They were following him. They thought, oh, my God, he's going to fall from the tree. He's going to die of exhaustion. He's not going to be able to eat properly. They were astounded when his instincts kicked in. And he began to feed on the rats and the mice in the park and survived splendidly. This is a lesson for human beings where we think we have to help everybody do everything, you know, from the cradle to the grave. And then to see such a magnificent six-foot wingspan flying over parts of New York City, something to look at, and many people will quote it, Numerous reporters flocked to Central Park, and they said, well, what was it that attracted you to Flacco? They said, he represented freedom, freedom that I don't have in my own life. Now, we're the freest people on the face of the earth in America. 
we get to call all kinds of names to our our presidents and those running for president in other countries, they throw you in the gulag, put you up against a wall, put two bullets in the back of your head. All these people do not think they're free because they're trapped in a job that they don't like, trapped in a lifestyle that they don't like. They can't just pick up and fly around. So when they would see Flacco just going from place to place, I can't tell you how many of these uh, retrospectives that I, I, I read from all different kinds of people saying, to me, he represented freedom. So this is a requiem for Flacco. Nobody cared about Flacco when he was in the Central Park Zoo. Nobody's going to tell me, oh, we went to the Central Park Zoo to see Flacco, the Eurasian owl. Now, I know John Katsimatidis is desperately attempting to bring pandas there because he feels that will help tourism. He's right to get them on loan from Red China. But there was nobody going to Central Park Zoo to see Flacco. You know how many hundreds of thousands of people were going into Central Park looking for Flacco? Think of that, ladies and gentlemen. Think of the importance of this one creature of nature, the impact that he left on all of us. And I and Nancy promise you we're not accepting the report of the necropsy that was taken of him that said he died like Valani of natural causes from flying into a building. Yeah, and otherwise he seems like he was fine, everything was good. He just had a bad morning. Like, I, I don't buy that because what, what, he had survived what, so long. What, flying while drinking? Maybe they were trying to say he had a few shots, you know, like he was impaired, drunken flying. Well, you know what? They might try to uh, loop it in with the, the moon. It was a full moon Saturday. Yeah, I know. You were howling in the moon right by the rambles. Lone Wolf One. That's that's Nancy's nickname. A lot and, of factors and, up there. And you know Central Park, every nook, cranny, and corner. The way I know subways, you know Central Park. You saw all those people that were there every day to get a, a look at Flacco. I mean, tens of thousands of people were traveling from all over America coming into Central Park. To look at this magnificent creature of nature. Lovely. We miss you, Flacco, but we won't forget you. And we will not accept this so-called, hey, accept it. We're the experts. He crashed into the building. Don't ask no more freaking questions. Uh, we got a lot of questions to ask about the demise of Flacco. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is the Animal Welfare Hour exclusive to WABC. And another tragedy, right prior to this, another magnificent creature, an eagle. And if you notice of late, we've spotted more and more eagles in our area. The eagle that flew into Tompkins Square Park when Flacco was with the Bohemians down here. The eagle that's been spotted in Central Park. But there was an eagle, I guess, maybe injured. I have no idea. You know more of the story that ended up becoming a tragic victim. Uh, I guess Project Zero Vision didn't work for this eagle because a car, a truck, a, a, a van f- flattened the eagle. Yeah, and, and actually this was the eagle that used to frequent Central Park um, named Rover. So it's a bald eagle uh, hatched in 2018 in Connecticut, and it made its way all the way to Manhattan. It was seen in it was, it was pretty much in the Central Park area for a very long time, and then it went to Greenwood Cemetery. It was gone for a while. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Greenwood Cemetery. You and I, we, yeah. we've gone through Greenwood. It is magnificent in Brooklyn. Oh, that is definitely a bird sanctuary there. Yeah, so, I mean, so from Connecticut to, to Central Park to Brooklyn— and then he was missing for two years. Now, they were, you know, guessing that either he went to warmer weather, <laughs> like, I guess, holiday in warmer weather, or maybe found a maid and sort of started to make some little eggs. But finally, finally um, returned at the start of this year. So there's stories about a month ago where now Rover was seen back in the area in the park flying over the reservoir. And everyone was so excited because they recognized him because he actually has like um like a little tagging on him because of the fact that he was hatched in um, like a Connecticut um, reserve. So, and then sadly, this past Monday, he was found on the West Side Highway. He had been struck by, by a vehicle. So, I, you know, they, were, they said that he was trying to eat food off the ground. I mean, I don't know, but 
That's pretty. I mean, that's pretty hard to miss. Wait, a bald eagle. Wait, wait, wait. And the driver didn't stay behind. No, right? a no. hit and run. Uh-uh. A likely story. Yeah, road accident. So this eagle that is so dexterous, so able to fly and drift high above all of us, who has food sources galore because we. In fact, you walk into our house. Nancy has the big screen TV set up. She's watching two eagles in California in the Sierra Mountains who have set up a nest, have two eggs. The female eagle is sitting on the eggs, waiting for them to hatch. The male eagle goes out and tries to bring back food in nearby rivers, you know, like salmon and other, other fish. We actually watch it. It's amazing. You really should see these things. And you see how the two eagles work together. They have a family. So these eagles who are able to soar above everything can spot down below prey from thousands of feet up. He's going to need to go onto the highway or the west side highway to fetch food. Get the hell out of here. Or wouldn't have seen a car coming. No, 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 no. I don't buy that. I'm telling you. It's probably the result of pesticides. And, and that really makes the most sense because, again, it, it seems like something's affecting their ability to do what normally they were doing fine. It disorients you. It's, and, 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 again, therein lies the issue why I really I doubt that we're going to get the truth about this because if you were to get that, um, you know, autopsy with toxicology report and you're hearing that – that would actually, you know, force some sort of momentum or at least a public outrage against all these pesticides that are being put down, which is really the last thing the city wants to hear because they're, they love just throwing pesticides on everything. My uh, hunch is that both in the case of Flacco and Ranger. Rover. Rover, I'm sorry. That they ended up ingesting some form of poisons. I have seen animals. Mm-hmm. Once they've ingested these poisons, it is a horrible death. Their stomachs implode. They suffer. And we spend millions of dollars putting out pellets, pesticides, trying to kill animals that were here before we were here. And if anybody ever drops the big one on our head and wipes out many of us, they'll still be here. We'll be gone. We have an entire industry, Dow Chemical, other giant chemical corporations who spend a part of their budget on developing pesticide products to kill animals. Now, you may make the argument that in some instances they're necessary. Okay, we'll listen to all arguments. Why these pesticides spread around New York City? Children play, play in the dirt. We breathe them in. It poisons water. It poisons the land. What are the results that we're getting from all these pesticides, especially in attempting to eradicate rats and mice? Nothing. Nothing. The building superintendents who observed Flacco when he would perch up on the fire escape or the roof said they did not have a rat or mouse problem. Again, instinctually, rats and mice can smell the owl. They know it's a natural predator. They stay out of the area like they do for feral cats. Right, can, you, can you imagine if you're like a, a rat trying to go through the, the trash at the middle of the night and you look up and you see Flacco behind you? Flacco's got you. It's <laughs> over. Dumb. It's over. 1 800 848 9222. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents. Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Thinking of all the illegal weed shops that we have, 2,000 in the city. And at times, Nancy, you and I, we walk down the street, it's like we're in a purple haze. You can't escape the secondary smoke. Could it be that Flacco was uh, sort of discombobulated by secondary smoke from all these weed smokers. And the eagle. What's the name of the eagle again? Rover. Have any of you ever been in a situation where that secondary smoke from weed just completely threw off your whole constitution? Think about it. And we're big. 
Tony, you're a big guy there at the boards. Compared to Flacco and the Eagle, small. They're shorty shorts. I think that as part of this necropsy, this toxicology report, we have to see if in the, the system of Flacco and this Eagle that they claim was hit on the West Side Highway, get out of here. They might have been impaired by the secondary marijuana smoke, which is everywhere in the city. And I know it's had an effect on humans. A lot of people won't even come into the city because they just don't like the smell of the city. It's not the garbage, the swill, the flotsam, and the jetsam. There's enough of that. It is that. It's the smell of reefer everywhere. Let's go to Bobby in Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Curtis and Nancy, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for all you do for the animal welfare. Yeah, I called you about two weeks ago, Curtis. We, I mentioned this about the uh, redemption side. As I said, uh, I pray to God Flacco doesn't need a bad rat. And, you know, you're right, Curtis. They, they get discombobulated. He survived a year in the city flying through the building, around the building, Central Park, without a problem. They, I think they said also his weight was down. His weight was down. Because it messes with their internal organs. That poison, it builds up, accumulates in the bio, accumulates in their body. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not good. The outcome is always bad. But it's just so sad. It's just a sad thing. And the only thing, Flacco, he just brought to light, you know, the freedom. The, the only bad thing was the guy who let this bird go. You know, you thought you were doing a good thing. You really did a bad thing. Even though Flacco was in captivity, he could he, 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 he taught a lot of people. You know, in captivity, they could live up to 50, 60 years. In the wild, 20-something years. But the other thing about the Eagles, Curtis, Curtis, they, they're, they are scavengers. And they're not... They're not um, they, they will eat roadkill. You know, they will take take an easy meal. They're very opportunistic creatures. So if they get an easy meal, they'll eat it. But thanks again, guys. I'll talk to you again. Understood. Bye. And Bobby was he was telling us in advance that this might be the fate of Flacco because of all the pesticides, because of all the poisons. Again, as human beings, we're aware of all the secondary marijuana smoke. Right? We smell it everywhere. Yes. We're not aware of the pesticides because they're generally in the ground. You know, they're in pellets, in boxes. They'll spread all around us. But just as they have a negative impact on a lot of animals, they're going to have a negative impact on human beings. You cannot tell me that these caustic substances, these chemical substances, do not at all have any impact on human beings, the neurological system, the nervous system. Come on, that's what they do to these animals. That's why they become impaired. They they affect their nervous systems to the point where they can't function. And and the other thing is, too, it's the, the size of them. So, for instance, it's it's small enough where when the rat eats it, theoretically, it's, okay, it'll kill the entire rat. But, okay, Flacco's bigger, so it's going to take longer of him eating these poisoned rats before it takes an effect same way that it takes longer for us to get the effects of it. It just comes out looking different. It could be that, you know, you come down with an ailment, you get an, an illness a few years down the road. It's smaller quantities, but it, granted, it's all affecting us negatively. Let's uh, talk about something of great significance. Joe Biden's German Shepherds. This guy, you know, like some people should not have children. The president should not have German Shepherds. He's now had two German Shepherds back-to-back, belly-to-belly, that he either refuses to train or won't allow somebody else to train, that attack anybody around them. Now, I understand you have German Shepherd, great guard dogs, but that's not the purpose of why the Biden family has German Shepherds. They truly like German Shepherds. But like a lot of dog lovers, they don't train them. So now we've had two, one that had to be sent to a shelter. We, we we haven't even heard of the first uh, German Shepherd. Now we have a second German Shepherd who bit Secret Service agents 26 times. What the hell? <laughs> Joe Biden won. No, I want German Shepherds. You should not be permitted to have any dogs, any animals, period. You can't even take care of yourself. 26 times. Yeah, so he... So- Commander is following in the footsteps of Major. That's that's the first dog that was rehomed that you're mentioning. German Shepherd. Yeah, German Shepherd. So that one had a it was was first exposed last year when uh, it had gone on a, a eight day eating spree, <laughs> like attacking people. So they had to eventually get rid of Major. 
but you know they you know they still want to seem I guess you know like they're animal lovers and sympathetic. Yeah, but they insisted. Yeah, so they keep Commander. Now again, he's gone to relatives. Okay, but, but they're not disclosing the location apparently, and they call it following brutal attacks. So there's seven agents that Commander has bitten, and again, brutal attacks. They're talking about like having to to close down the the White House at certain periods of time to clean up the the tragedy of what the just blood, happened. The blood, the guts, and the skin. <laughs> it's, it's, what the hell are they letting this guy have a dog for? And 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 the spokesperson for Jill Biden says, despite additional training, leashing, working with vets, uh, we've decided that. The White House has simply proved too much for Commander. First of all, I think the White House proved too much for your husband. <laughs> That's the first order of business. But you start talking about, despite leash, first of all, leashing should have been the first. You have a dog that bites, and you just willy-nilly let it run around and no, strangers come over? they don't put him on a leash. That's irresponsible. That's not the dog's fault. That's your fault, number one. So, yeah, and working with vets, that's uh, like undercover language for trying to medicate them. Apparently that didn't work. So, of course, yeah, they're not, look, they're not pet look. owners. Clearly, they like animals. They have a cat also. Yeah, that, I'm sure that worked out great. They, they should be cat people because the cat is like— Or maybe goldfish. You're right, goldfish. That's a <laughs> hell of a lot better gold. Although, they'll probably end up killing the goldfish. They'll flush them down the toilet. You know, there's just some people who should not have any animals, right? I mean, let's face it. Look, Donald Trump, he doesn't want animals. It's okay. But I think there needs to be a ban for whatever time left that Joe Biden has in the White House. No animals at all. No dogs, no cats, no goldfish. Keep the kids away from them. Keep women away from them because he likes to smell their hair. <laughs> Just isolate the guy. Put him in a bubble. Yeah, Remember, he, he can't testify in court because he can't remember things. But he can be the most powerful man in the world with a nuclear football that could destroy Everything on the world, including every animal and every human being. You got to love America. This is unbelievable. Now, you know, this transitions into a guy who's trying to make a comeback over my dead body. And he's listening right now. Andrew Ivalais Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, listens intently to WABC because for a while, Nancy, he thought that ABC was going to stand for always broadcasting Cuomo. He was on like seven times. He said nothing. He had softball interviews. You know, Barney, I call it Barney talk. You love me. I love you. And so he ran out of options. He either would have to appear with Sid or he'd have to appear with me. And you know he ain't appearing with me. So now we're at a, a crossroads. He's trying to reinvent himself. You remember in the middle of the mayoral campaign, we dropped everything. We were in New York City. It was a tough race. We heard that Governor Cuomo, who had just left the executive mansion when he resigned in disgrace, had abandoned his husky El Capitan at the executive mansion. You and I, we went up the New York State Thruway. We've been there before to Eagle Street. We showed up at the front gate. There was an African-American state trooper. Curtis, what are you doing here? We're here to retrieve El Capitan. He said, thank God. This guy is nipping all of us state troopers, and he's dry humping us because the governor refused to get him fixed. So you can imagine, he's a man, right, with the gray suits, you know, very, very professional they're having a deal with El Capitan running all over the front lawn of Eagle Street, the governor's mansion, dry humping them and biting them, nipping them because, you know, he had the urge to merge. So this guy, Rich Arazapoli, who was the spokesperson for uh, the outgoing Governor Cuomo at that time, got word that we were going to rescue El Capitan, which you were prepared to do. And we were going to see if we could adopt him after socializing him and teaching him how not to bite somebody and dry hump somebody. So Rich Arazaposi tells the state trooper, calls him up in the shack and says, absolutely do not surrender El Capitan to Curtis Lewa. The governor is getting into his SUV at uh, Fredo's house, the mansion he was staying at, Chris Cuomo in Southampton, and he's driving all the way up to retrieve El Capitan. Damn if we ever turn over El Capitan to Curtis Lewa. That was in the newspapers. 
And do you know he's been in pictures with El Capitan ever since trying to show that how he loves dogs. My husky goes with me everywhere. Oh, yeah, that year he sent out um, Christmas cards with a dog, like, front and center. The husky was nipping all of the state troopers. They were so relieved that we were there. Thank God, please take El Capitan. He's biting us and dry humping us all over the front lawn and actually barking. Maybe it's like a, like a naming convention thing, right? Capitan, Major, well, Commander. What about, like, Fluffy? Well. Maybe that'll help. To be honest, let's be completely honest here, Nancy. The black state trooper confided into us he would bark at the black state troopers. Viciously bark at the black state troopers. Now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, he learned from Cuomo. But why is it that El Capitan is barking at only the black state troopers, biting them like he was the white state troopers, and dry humping them like he was the white state but the one thing, he would see the black state trooper, and he'd start barking. Think about that, huh? Think about that. Hey, Andrew, I send him a tusiu provienos fachi. And like your father, you are. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. One of the things that neither Joe Biden would do with his two German shepherds, what were the names of the two German shepherds that have been uh, taken from him because they have proven to be a menace to the secret uh, service that guards him and his family? Who are the uh, secret service? Give her a little. Oh, a major and commander. A major and commander were not fixed. It's part of the reason that they're so um, uh, aggressive. What is the other thing they had in common with the husky El Capitan, who was there at the governor's mansion when Cuomo had to exit in disgrace, stage left? Uh, El Capitan was not fixed. Now... Women don't necessarily view this the same way when they're responsible for spading and neutering, whether a dog or a cat. But guys have this thing in their mind that they don't want to spade or neuter, especially a dog. I can't tell you how many guys I've come across when I said, hey, how come you didn't spade this dog? I couldn't do it. What do you mean he couldn't do it? Well, you know, he's a man. What do you mean he's a man? <laughs> Somehow they project themselves into the dog. Yeah. Like they wouldn't want to be spaded and nude. I'm I'm pretty sure with Cuomo, that's for sure, Andrew Cuomo, through Husky, the Husky uh, El Capitan, and definitely Joe Biden. Joe Biden just recently said, you know what makes for a great marriage? Lots of sex. Like, he, he can't be talking from personal experience, right? Well, I don't know what he's talking from. It can't be. But I'll bet you, in his mind... Who knows what's going on in there? To spade or neuter a dog, which should be done. Yeah. It's somehow, it's almost like self-emasculation, self-castration. I mean, I, I have come across that a lot, and I don't know 100% where the mentality comes from, but, um, yeah, it's it's like this projection of your you know, the, yourself, your persona. And I think, you know, a lot of guys who have aggressive type dogs, there's this feeling that the aggression somehow lies within the, you know, the genitalia. So somehow, oh, if I remove that, oh, the dog's not going to be protecting me anymore. When I walk around, it'll be huddling in the corner scared. Like none of that stuff happens. But, you know, there is that sense that it's just not going to be this aggressive, you know, buddy. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. Spot on. You could be living in the inner city, the suburbs, a rural area. I dealt with white guys who think that way, black guys, men of privilege, men of poverty. It's the same thing. They don't want to spade and neuter their dogs. And here we got a perfect case history of Andrew Cuomo with his husky dog, El Capitan, who was a menace to the state troopers. And now we see Major and Commander, who were a menace to the Secret Service protecting the Biden family, including Hunter. God only knows how much cocaine he was doing in the White House. 
but protecting him also. Wait, maybe the dogs were getting into that. <laughs> you mean like you mean like uh, the hippopotamus? That's where they were biting everyone. The hippopotamus <laughs> at at the zoo of uh, the Medellin cartel guy Pablo Escobar. Remember, you have those cocaine hippos now yeah, everywhere. Yeah, who just went rogue and now they're just wandering the the whole. That's right island. in Colombia. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I mean, think of that. Cocaine makes you aggressive. Maybe Major and Commander got into Hunter Biden's cocaine stash because he is living at the White so House now. So you're suggesting a toxicology report? Oh, yeah. We start with, right. with Hunter Biden first. So right, we, we start with the source. <laughs> I, I mean, think of that. You're right. Dogs, they yeah, sniff around. Just sniffing, right? You're going to get some of the cocaine <laughs> when residue. He's, when he's falling asleep, probably just all over him. You're right. You know how they like to come up and lick you, you know, lick your hand. You know, especially Hunter Biden. He probably just put down the crack pipe. I Wow. That is a brilliant connection, Nancy. I didn't even think of that. And Hunter Biden is now living in the White House. It's all coming together. El Capitan up at Eagle Street, the governor's mansion, Cuomo, you know, Italian stallion. No, no, they don't want to be neutered. Don't want to be spaded. Not going to do that to El Capitan. Now, this is bad news that could be turned into good news. We have talked extensively in the past about, you have described to our many listeners, cat cafes. So please describe what a cat cafe is and how important it is to the adoption process of stray cats or cats that have been surrendered to shelters where they could potentially be slaughtered and killed. Well, there's a number of cat cafes in New York City. Uh, You know, one of the best parts about them, obviously, unlike the city shelter-run systems, they're no-kill. So they're going to, you know, keep taking care of them until they do find a home for them. Obviously, that incentivizes them more, but it's, it's really the setup of it. So as opposed to the, the existing shelter system where they're warehoused away, you don't get to see, um, you know, any of the cats. You really don't get to engage with them, get their personalities. Um, this forum creates, a, you know, almost like an outing for people to interact directly with the cats. They're going out, you know, able to bring friends. You're sitting at a table. You know, you have some food, some drinks, and then you're interacting with the, um, the cats that are there who are up for adoption so you're kind of getting a feel for their personality in a natural environment. It's not that rushed environment. And you can, you know, really get a, a sort of an indication of their personality and how you interact with them. So that sort of natural element, and this has led to, there's, um, you know, several of the cat cafes uh, all throughout New York City. They actually adopt out more than the city shelter system. That's how successful they are. So the model works, clearly. All right, so let's transition from a cat cafe to a dog cafe, and one that is very famous to people who love their dogs and love to go there, Boris and Horton. Now, it has nothing to do with Horn and Harnot, Harnot, uh, the old automat. What is Boris and Horton? Okay, so this is a dog cafe. Um, it's a, f- a father-daughter-owned they opened the city's first dog-friendly cafe a little over six years ago um, in the East Village. And then a few years later, they opened up a secondary location in Williamsburg. And sadly, they, you know, they put out um, no, uh, notice that as of Monday, the locations were going to be closing. And this has to do with, obviously, a lot of the, uh, the downtime during the COVID and the adoption. So, but they started doing fundraising um, you know, people in the neighborhood were just so upset that this place was going to go. Because, again, it's not just for people who want to adopt. It's like for um, a place to go and actually interact with them. So it's like therapeutic as well. So uh, one of the local, um, you know, neighbor residents start, oh, started a GoFundMe just to try and save this. And, and they've been very successful so far raising a lot of money. So hopefully, you know, this will continue because this is the only one that exists in the city. And obviously just a great... Uh, a great thing to be able to interact with dogs who need homes in this sort of forum, in this sort of format. It's It's been super successful. You know, the amazing thing here at WABC over the years, Mark Levin would host the Bark in the Park, which you attended with me. Correct. And it was a park over in Bergen County, not, not far from the Turnpike, magnificent. People would show up from all over the Northeast. They would come with their dogs. And I immediately thought, with that many dogs the dogs would be fighting with one another, right? Yeah. Remember we were there. You brought the cat? Yeah, I did. They didn't even fight with the cat. 
they were sort of like all the dogs. There were like 4,000 dogs there with people with their dogs. And they were looking at the cat like, don't you realize this is an old dog affair, not a cat affair? I did not see any of the dogs fighting. I saw some of the people arguing. Mm. Who was more of a Levinite? You know, who's more loyal to Mark Levin? They were arguing about that. It was incredible. And about the only thing the people who brought the dogs would have to do at a certain point is clean up the poop. And I don't know what it was about the dogs. They weren't pooping during that whole... I. That was the most amazing thing. We did that every, every summer. Yeah, I mean, and and what's great about having them in that sort of natural environment... You can see why it's very tough when you are in the shelter system to engage and really get a feel for their personality because they're in the cages all day. You know, um, they can't see the outside. They get so overexcited just to be outside the cage that, and then the you know the newness of meeting a person of, of all that. So it's it's a really unnatural way to to meet and interact with people, and that unfortunately makes it the adoption prospects usually a lot less because. Someone says, oh, my gosh, this dog's got too much energy for me. I can't possibly take it. Well, no, it's because you just let it out for five minutes a day. That's, what it's, that's what's going to happen. Let's go to Anthony, who's calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Anthony. Yes, hello, Anthony. Flip the script. Yo, Matt, please. Yo, what do you do? You just keep those people up there? You know, you never check back with them? What do you do? It's like uh, laying wallpaper. You think once you put the wallpaper on the wall. See, this is typical of our screeners here at WABC. Laziest people in the world. They throw a bunch of people up there, and they think that they're just going to hang out there and never bother changing. They're scratching their belly buttons. <laughs> they're, 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 they're pulling on their, their chain. and pull, God only knows what they're pulling. <laughs> You got to check up on them, Matt Blaze, you know? I know you're bored up normally, but, you know, you got to learn to multitask. You got to be able to do everything uh, to be able to hang your, your hat here uh, at WABC. Let's try Joe calling from Queens. Giuseppe, your turn to be heard yeah, here at WABC. I want to bring up a question for Curtis and a question for Nancy. Uh, Curtis, when you were in the in NDA, you mentioned you uh, encountered some of the snake traumas, but they also say that there's uh, monkeys, orange and gray, that are biting people in India at the rate of a thousand a day. And what are they doing to manage that? And that, I wanted to ask Nancy about putting CBD oil on a dog with, like, say, a, a leg problem. All right, so let's address the CBD oil, which a lot of humans use uh, to relieve pain, uh, rheumatism, arthritis, those kind of things, because they've tried the pharmaceuticals and they haven't gotten any results. So it's a a, a marijuana-based kind of a product, you know, without extreme amounts of uh, THC in it. But it seems to work for a lot of people. What would you think about using it, especially dogs who do get Bad cases as they age of rheumatism and arthritis. I mean, I think overall that seems to be okay for most systems of any living organism. So it's almost like the path of least resistance if there's a possibility that it can help. And, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard definitely a lot of positive things with that. So in terms of joint issues, I mean, I, I don't see – certainly it couldn't harm, but – um, yeah, I mean, that that sounds like it. I, I've heard other people use it. I'm not sure how successful it might be, but I would certainly try it. Well, uh, in reference to India, one of my most cherished visits was to India. I went from Bombay, where you can never escape people. From the time you land in the airport to the time you go to your hotel, you walk, you are never feel like they're on. There's any space. People are everywhere. And then I went from there to Madras, which was in the central uh, center of the country, down upon Cherry on the coast. So I got a chance to see a good chunk of India. And it was like mostly good when it came to animals. I mean, we would be attempting to go from one village to another village and there would be a cow in the road. And nobody tried to move the cow. The cow is sacred to the Hindu religion, not the Muslims. And Muslims are about 20% of the population. If they had their way, they'd take it to a butcher shop uh, because they eat meat. Uh, the Hindu uh, worshipers, the majority of the population, about 80%, uh, they worship the cow. So you cannot move the cow from the road. I did see snake charmers when I was there, you know, with the cobras. 
uh, as they would uh, charm the snakes. Now, it was all part of theater. I don't know how they treated the snakes. Uh, I sort of I didn't want to get too close to the snakes in case all of a sudden they recognized the guy with the red beret there <laughs> and decided to bite me. And then there are the scenarios that we have seen, and you and I, we, we watch a lot of those films in India where these humanitarian men and women go out and rescue, especially dogs, that are in horrible distress. And I think there's a, 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 a part of the community that is very abusive towards dogs, very abusive, like, like in certain third world countries, very abusive towards dogs. And they rescue these dogs who are on the brink of death, and it takes months to get them back. Some of them have been singed with fire. Some of them can't move. Or like I've had Norwegian scabies, right? You can imagine Norwegian scabies over every square inch of their body. And these great men and women of India will spend a meticulous time to recover. And then you see in the end, that animal couldn't even move on the ground. Look at it. They're frolicking around now. And and one thing they do have there, which is actually very helpful, is they don't have the level of bureaucracy we have here, which prevents people from just um, bringing animals in to care for them. I mean, there are all these health codes. Oh, this is going to mean they're, they're doing everything in many ways outdoors, on the fly, in a, in a big volunteer capacity, and the success that they have is amazing. And you see it not only in the sheer numbers, but the animals interacting with each other. They're so happy and content. Like, they've created an, an incredibly, like, wonderful uh, triage there. Now, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of work has gone in. Uh, a guy who helps us in many of the things we do with the Guardian Angels and with Animal Welfare, James Perrone has spent a lot of time putting together this Animal Welfare uh, website. How can people um, access it, Nancy? Because it's like one-stop shopping for all your needs. Uh, For many months, we didn't have this, and many of you found it very difficult to get help from us directly uh, after the program aired. And remember, each and every one of these programs are in podcast form, so they go back over a year. You can always access the animal welfare programs because they might be of interest to you, even though uh, they were done uh, months ago. Uh, Many of them uh, are reflective of what's going on here and now. So how can people access this new website? Uh, Protectouranimals.org. So it's one word, protectouranimals.org. You know, and again, we include a lot of the information we speak about today, different resources that you can, you know, uh, use and utilize. And then, uh, of course, you know, um, adoptions. So not only ones that we have for adoption, but anyone who is trying to, you know, needs assistance with rehoming. I mean, this hopefully will be a great um, opportunity to really showcase them. Yeah, it's uh, one of the many programs that we, uh, we do for the community out of the Guardian Angels. If you can help, you want to join, you want to get involved, you want to you help uh, animals thrive and rescue them from despair, you really need to go to protectouranimals.org because it's proactive, interactive. It's not just a talk show. It gets the job done.